I'm Julian Brand and you're listening to Scouted Chess. Welcome back to Scouted Chess. This is part two of our World Cup uh, preview um, and we are a little bit closer now um, to the World Cup because although we're recording this all at the same time, it's being released a few days apart for, you know, just so that you actually listen to all of it. Um, shall we just get cracking straight away, guys? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Go. So, <laughs> Group E um, is uh, going to be an interest, interesting one, I think. Um, shall we start off with uh, Brazil, who are the probably the outstanding favourites of the group, one of the favourites for the, the tournament itself, um, and then also only have one um, sort of scouted player there, which is Gabriel Jesus, um, who I've listed as a centre-back for some reason um, <laughs> in our... Uh, in our sort of <laughs> document about the uh, the World Cup, uh, does anyone have any thoughts about Brazil? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched them play today, which is Sunday. Obviously, it won't be today when you listen to this, but they looked fantastic against Austria. They had all the possession and really a lot of the chances. And Gabriel Jesus did score. He he was offside, which at the World Cup that would have been flagged because uh, there would there will be VAR at the World Cup. But um, the shot came in. I think from Marcelo and it kind of got deflected out to Gabriel Jesus and he curled it in nicely, but Brazil looked to be in really good form. Yeah. I mean, the, the points are made in the last part about France and the fact that they don't quite have profiles that quite complement each other. I think Brazil really do have the profiles that, that, that they need in order to flourish. I mean, I think that's, predominantly due to the fact that the squad is so deep. I mean, uh, you look at Jesus, who is their only under-23 player, but if you look at the profiles of Jesus and Firmino, I mean, they have two completely different profiles that lend themselves to two completely different ways of playing. Um, and they have they have that all over the squad. I mean, they have Willian on the right, who's a really hard worker. And then they have playmakers on the left and like Coutinho who can play central midfield and left wing. Um, and then obviously they have the depth that they have a, a, a fullback with, you know, arguably one of the best fullbacks of all time in Marcelo and a really deep squad at centre-back and goalkeeper as well. So um, I think Brazil are really one of the favourites and it looked like Jesus is going to get a lot of game time as part of that um, as Tite really has taken a shine into Jesus and he really does lend himself to the way they play. Um, I'm probably one of the only Liverpool fans who believes that Jesus should start ahead of him purely down to his profile. Um, and the fact that he's probably going to be flanked by Neymar and Coutinho who are primarily creators and Jesus as much as it's kind of parodied is absolutely ridiculous uh, movement wise in the box um, and should be able to come up with some vital goals for them. I think for me, like the, with Brazil, the only thing that I'm a bit critical about their chances for the World Cup is just that they've disappointed a few times before in the last sort of few tournaments. So while they have an absolutely fantastic squad um, and it does sort of seem to all complement each other really well, we have seen it unravel before. Um, obviously, um, we don't even really need to speak about 2014 because I'm sure that's still fresh in the minds of most people who watch that game. Um, but in 2010 as well, they were sort of one of the pre-tournament favourites and were actually just absolutely turgid under Dunga. Um, and then 2006 as well, sort of fell apart as soon as they met their first good team. Um I'm wondering if that's going to happen again. I mean, I'm not saying that it will, but just sort of, yeah, maybe just because it has happened before, I'd be a little bit wary to sort of have them as my my favourite um, for the tournament. I think like you said in the last episode, David, I'd probably go, go towards Spain um, as the tournament favourite. But um, I think I would be surprised if Brazil don't at least get sort of uh, towards the quarters and the semis because, yeah, I mean, this this squad's very, very good for, for, for the group at least. Um, Jack, what do, you, what do you think about Brazil and their, their chances? Yeah, I mean, I know you you said don't mention 2014, but I think that's one of the reasons that David Luiz was actually lost left off of this squad is that um, whenever they they look at him, they think of seven one for for better or for worse. But yeah, like as you as you were saying, there's not a whole lot of super young talent, but a lot of their players, their star players, are in that 25, 26 age, and that's really gonna gonna bode well for them, I think, and. I mean, they had so much pressure in in 2014 trying to win the tournament at home. Um, I think 
I think this could be obviously their their chance to get that sixth star. I think I think one of Brazil's issues um, is one that was flagged up with France as well. I think I think only Germany and Spain are the teams that have kind of not not big game experience but big tournaments experience all the way through. Um, I mean, you look at Spain, the, the, the Spain squad's won everything. They've won the World Cup, the European Championships, and they've got a lot of players that have been part of multiple Champions League winning sides. Same goes for Germany. Um, and plus Germany, with just they're just so efficient. Um, they're so stuck in the ways in terms of the system and whatnot. I mean, I'm sure we'll get onto Leroy Sané's exclusion later. Um, but that's an example of that. Um, I think that played a part in the 2014 collapse. Um, and I think unless they can kind of get over that hill in this tournament, I can't see them winning it. But, you know, it's the World Cup. Anything could happen. And potentially they could get that big game, that big tournament experience in this particular tournament. Uh, Joe, what are you thinking about Brazil? Are they sort of one of your favourites? Um, yeah, I mean, it's Brazil. You can't really go into a major tournament and think that they're not going to be one of the favourites unless they had a very poor squad, which is something they definitely don't have. And you look at their attacking options and they are quite literally some of the best in the world. Um, under Tite, they, you know, they, they romp through qualifying. It, when you look at the likes of uh, Argentina struggling to, to qualify through the Conmebol um, uh, Confederation, and compare that directly to Brazil, who just were just so efficient and dispatched of teams left, right, and centre. They they do you know they they do look uh, good stuff. But you know as 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 you guys were saying, there are there are a few a few reservations that I might have about them. Um, but but overall, I think pretty much everything's been covered there. They are understandably one of the favourites. Um, and yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see to see how they fare. Especially once they get out of the group, assuming that they do, um, because as, as good as you know Switzerland were in qualifying, and as good as Serbia and Costa Rica are, they're not really challenges for the caliber of player that Brazil have. Shall we talk about sort of some of those teams then, um, and starting with Costa Rica, who have brought two under twenty threes. They actually, similar to Russia, actually, like we mentioned in the first part, are one of the older to- squads in the tournament, and there's not been much change really based on um, who they brought to the twenty fourteen World Cup, where they obviously got to the quarters. Um, the two under twenty threes are um, Ronald Matarita, who's a fullback for New York City FC. Um, I don't know if you know anything about him, Jack, um, and then Ian Smith who um, is definitely Costa Rican, not Scottish, and plays for Norrköping uh, in Sweden as a centre-back. Any thoughts on these guys? I mean, just just like a lot of CONCACAF teams, there's uh, a, an emphasis on the experience rather than the youth, so it's not really surprising to see only two Costa Ricans under the age of 23. I also just think the... I just can't really see a repeat of, uh, of four years ago happening. But then again, in 2014, I couldn't see them doing anything other than propping up the bottom of the group. So um, it'll be interesting. I mean, Keylor, Keylor Navas is a fantastic goalkeeper. It's He's just, I don't know, he just keeps winning things with Real Madrid. There's no reason to think that there's only one other team that's getting out of this group besides Brazil, but it is kind of up for grabs. Yeah, I, I just want to get a double check on whether Ian Smith is actually 20 and someone hasn't just marked his age down wrong as being 40 instead. Because, I mean, with a name, with a, with a name like that, I mean, it's not exactly the most Costa Rican either, is it? But, yeah. No, I, I don't really know too much about those guys. Um, but, as, as you were saying, Jack, the the or Navas effect will, well, it'll, it'll definitely have some weight to how Costa Rica do. Because when you do have, quite literally, a, a world-class goalkeeper in goal, it will, you know, a few crucial saves here or there could be um, the the um, the decider, especially in tournament football. I wonder if Costa Rica will make a bit for David again. <laughs> Shall we uh, talk about one of the teams that have probably, I think it's the most under-23s in the tournament, um, and that would be Serbia, who have nine under-23s. Um, so absolutely fantastic for us to talk about. Um, they have... Uh, 
brought Luka Jovic uh, from Frankfurt, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, sorry, uh, who's a striker, uh, Nikola Milenkovic, uh, the centre-back from Fiorentina, um, Andrea Zivkovic uh, from Benfica, um, Marka Grujic uh, from Liverpool, uh, Milos Velikovic um, from Bremen, uh, Podrag Rajkovic uh, from Maccabi Tel Aviv, the goalkeeper, uh, Nemanja Radonjic um, from Red Star Belgrade, um, Alexander Mitrovic, and finally, probably the highlight of the nine, Sergei Milinkovic Savic uh, from, from Lazio. Um, yeah, you definitely saved the best for yeah. last there. Well, I mean, I just, I just did it in age order, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what do you think about about that there, Jack? It's it's wild that Milinkovic Savic only has three caps. It's just crazy to me. He only debuted last November, but still, just I mean, his rise at Lazio this season was meteoric, for lack of a better expression. But he's gonna go for huge money this summer, like maybe over a hundred million, and he only has three caps. Isn't that something to do with him not having a good relationship with the old manager and they largely replaced the old manager with uh, the guy that's there now because they wanted the, the federation wanted to bring Milinkovic Savic to the World Cup? So potentially that's the explanation. That's what I've heard anyway, but uh, I don't know particularly much about the inner politics of Serbian football. I mean, that, may, that makes sense to me. I didn't, I didn't know that he was born in Spain, so maybe they had to make sure he represented Serbia. Yeah, I, th- I think some of it had to do with the fact that um, the old regime are quite pragmatic, um, whereas, I mean, it's Serbia's youth teams have been set in Europe and the world alight, um, playing quite attacking football. So maybe it's bringing in a new identity, a new brand of football um, to Serbia. The one reservation I would have uh, from Milinkovic Savic is in his, well, in Serbia's last friendly against Bolivia, he actually played on a double pivot which I don't think is going to get the best out of him. He played next to Nemanja Matic. I mean, unless Serbia want to do what Mourinho seems to do and leave Nemanja Matic on an island by himself, um, they, they can go down that, that route. Um, but I think potentially playing them where they played Adam Lijic behind Mitrovic could potentially uh, be the way forward for them. Um, however... Uh, Lijic, I believe, assisted two and scored one against Bolivia. So he's in really good form going into the tournament. Um, so there's certainly a decision to make there um, regarding central midfield options. I mean, Marco Grujic, um, Liverpool player, came on for Milinkovic Savage in that game against Bolivia. But I believe if you put him next to Matic, kind of makes the midfield a bit too workmanlike. Um, I mean, Grujic really flourished under Neil Warnock, which I think says a lot about his character and his style of play, really. Um, I think you, you've potentially got profile issues there, unless you can kind of put the shackles on Milinkovic Savage, which I don't think you necessarily want to do. Um, just following on from what you said about um, the Serbia's youth teams there, David, it was, uh, in fact, I think there's uh, five of the, um, of the players in the squad uh, played a part in the under twenty World Cup win in two thousand fifteen. I think that's they had Zivkovic, Velkovic, Rajkovic, Grujic, and Milinkovic Savic. They all they were all part of that uh, that that squad who won the under twenty World Cup against Brazil in two thousand fifteen. And I think that's that's something which has been a, a mainstay of uh, Serbian football over the past ten years or so. That there is a there is a steady production line from the from the youth teams to the senior team. And right now is kind of like the culmination of, of quite a lot of that, and it's quite it's quite un- understandable why they've taken nine under twenty threes to the World Cup, because you know you could argue that bar the the most experienced players such as you know Alexander Kolarov, they are the most talented players in in, in that squad, uh, the under twenty threes. So yeah, I'd 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 back them to you know to have um to have a very good chance of getting out of that group especially with you know the 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 red hot form of, of Alexander Mitrovic <laughs> at the moment which as a Newcastle fan is very frustrating at times <laughs> but uh, yeah i i'm looking forward to watching serbia a lot yeah, yeah i mean just just going through the team that they put out against uh bolivia that they, they do have an absolute abundance of talent um, Alexander Kolarov is kind of reborn at Roma. Uh, they have Baroslav Ivanovic at right back as well. Um, but I mean, their front um, six players are Milinkovic, Savic, Nemanja Matic, 
Dusan Tadic, Adam Lejajic, uh, Filip Kostic and Alexandra Mitrovic. Um, and, and I mean, that that's that's really solid going forward. And I mean, that's still with Andrea Zivkovic on the bench as well as Luka Jovic, um, who didn't even get on the pitch. So they've really got an abundance of talent and it's kind of those youth teams coming to fruition now. Um, it probably won't be this tournament that they shine at. It could be the next uh, European Championships or the World Cup, but they're certainly an, an interesting and exciting team. I think the most interesting thing or the most surprising thing that I saw when researching Serbia for this for this podcast was that is Mitrovic actually 23 like I thought he's like 26 27 that's like the biggest surprise of probably my life I mean he he looks about 45 <laughs> Yeah on the on the announcement uh graphic that Serbia put out for their uh, for their, their final 23 you scan across the faces for there and you'd say Mitrovic's face is probably one of the oldest looking on there but he defies belief he is yeah he is 23 I mean doesn't always behave like someone who's 26 or 27 but you know he's uh, he really really does do the business for Serbia and you do have to give him credit for that shall we uh go to the last uh, team in Group E then um, and that's Switzerland who um, had to go through the playoffs um, which was an absolutely turgid couple of games against um, Northern Ireland that they were pretty lucky to go through it's a very sort of debatable penalty that took them to the World Cup uh, but actually in the um, in the group phase uh, sort of before the uh, the the playoffs they were really really good I think won nine and lost one um, missed out to Portugal in the end um, so very good team. It sort of just depends on what team, what side turns up actually to the World Cup. And they have got five under-23s, all of which are from the Bundesliga. Um, so we've got Nico Elvedi, um, who is a defensive all-rounder at Mönchengladbach, who I profiled in Scouted Handbook 2. Uh, then Brill and Bolo, um, who is at Schalke, hasn't quite broken through um, there um, in the past couple of years, partly due to injury. Then there's Dennis Zakaria um, again at Mönchengladbach as a midfielder. Uh, Manuel Akanyi, uh, the defender at Dortmund. And finally, Janem Vogo, who's a goalkeeper at Leipzig. Um, I mean, I think there are some really sort of promising names in that group. Um, Jack, which ones are you expecting to really make their mark? I mean, I, I wrote his profile in the most recent handbook, but Dennis Zakaria, I think could have a huge World Cup. He's going to be alongside Grenin Xhaka in that Switzerland midfield and has the physicality and also now the experience. He's been playing a lot at Gladbach and has had the ability to kind of see a lot of game time, which I think is is really a big thing for some of these young guys. But I don't know. I also really like Briel Ambolo and hope he has the, the chance to stand out. He had that injury right when he joined Xhaka. Yeah, and hasn't had. I mean, he wasn't a reason they finished second in the league, but I think they'll they'll be hoping he his development continues. Yeah, I think with Switzerland, like a lot of their key players are over twenty three. So yeah, the likes of Granit Xhaka, Jadon Shakiri, um, they're sort of the ones that are really going to push them forward, um, sort of and be decisive if they are to get out of the group. Um, I sort of think that. They may have been a little bit better two years ago um, at, at the Euros, but it will be interesting to see sort of how they do uh, progress. What do we, uh, um, David, what do we see uh, them achieving in this tournament? Um, they seem to be a very resolute defensively. Um, they do have a lot of talent in defence. Um, you know, like so Ricardo Rodriguez, obviously, Akanji. Um, Fabian Shaw, Lichtsteiner, um, as well as Nico Elvedi. So th- they're quite stacked. Um, they also have some really solid um, defenders to shield that defence. Uh, I think they're going to be very pragmatic in the tournament. Um, I, I think that suits them. Um, but I, I, overall, I, I, I want Serbia to go through. But potentially it could be Switzerland um, with that pragmatism. And um, obviously they're a lot more experienced. And I think they're a better side than Costa Rica. Um, so potentially it could be Switzerland going through Brazil. Um, and hopefully a lot of the scouted lads like Mbolo, Zakaria and Akanji, hopefully um, will be able to get on that team sheet as well and get that World Cup experience under the belt. 
Perfect. Shall we move on to Group F then, uh, which features some of the um, sort of reigning champions? Uh, well, I mean, one of the re- the reigning champions, um, which are Germany. They've got four under-23s in the squad, um, and a lot of them have a lot of experience uh, thanks to um, sort of the role that they are allowed to play at their respective clubs. Uh, so we've got Nicholas Zula um, at Bayern, uh, Timo Werner uh, from Leipzig, uh, Julian Brandt, uh, obviously our, uh, our favourite player in the world of scout football because he... Uh, does introduce the podcast sometimes. Uh, then Joshua Kimmich, also Bayern, and Leon Goretzka as well. Um, a lot of names there that have played quite a lot for Germany. Um, a few maybe that are a little bit newer, um, but obviously they did uh, win the Confederation Cup with uh, some of these younger players as well. Um, do you think that they can maybe repeat uh, their achievement last time? Um <sighs> You you can never write them off because it's Germany. The under Jurgen Lowe, um, I, th- I think with the with the the players that they're coming in the under twenty threes, the likes of Timo Werner, he offers something different um, to what they had last time as well. Um, you know, with kind of that, that pacey approach, um, Kimmich as well. I'm, I've been really really impressed with him over the past few seasons. Um, I, th- I think yeah, the the group. I think they they'll not struggle to get out of. It's then a question of who they draw uh, in the in in the quarters and the semis. Realistically, because you know it's Germany, we have to assume that they are going to get that far. Um, playing, you know, the, the pragmatic football where where they, they where they will just take teams apart. Um, I, I do think they are capable of it, but it remains to be seen because I mean. It, you know, every everyone was back in Spain in, in 2014, saying you know they were gonna, they were gonna you know go go for back to back World Cup titles, and then they uh, they conceded five against Holland, and that was that. So you, know, you, you never can tell, but I think with Germany, they they definitely are um, they're an entity that that will that will I think demolish at least one team this at this tournament. Yeah, that's that's a good point because I think what against Saudi Arabia in the early two thousands or something it was like eight nil or some something. But yeah, two thousand and two. Yeah, yeah. But Germany, I think, have the most depth at this tournament, and although they haven't played well in recent friendlies, Yogi Love has come out and said, "When we're there, we will be ready." And you look at their qualifying campaign: ten wins from ten. It wasn't the strongest group, but still, ten wins from ten. And, you know, all this depth and young stars that actually play like Joshua Kimmich and I think Timo Werner now that he is the number one or the number nine, <laughs> I guess, uh, sh- should have the chance to just sprint by some of these these players in this group. I think probably one of the main talking points as well in the lead up to this um, to this World Cup has been uh, about the omission of Leroy Sané uh, for the squad. David, what's your perspective on that? Does it make sense to you or do you think he really should be there? Um, I think they should have taken them. Um, they should have took them. But if, if anything, for an option off the bench, um, which is you know, very cliche, but at the end of the day, he's an outrageously talented footballer. Um, but they've gone for Julian Brandt. Um, I can see the logic in it. Obviously, he suits the system more. Um, I think that there was a mention, well, the way I mentioned, there was um, some speculation over the fact that Sané uh, didn't go to the Confederations Cup last summer due to a knock um, and prioritised Manchester City. Yeah, he had that nose surgery. He yeah. had the nose surgery that the staff deemed unnecessary and, I don't know, it didn't it didn't so, so well with the staff apparently. Yeah, so um, whilst Brandt went to the tournament with a knock, um, I don't think it'll affect Germany too much. Obviously, it'll be, it'll be great to have Sané in the squad. Um, but really speaking, I mean, does he start? I, I, I don't think he does as... Is German, his Germany form hasn't really warranted starting for them, uh, and with Royce back potentially off that left, he's been playing as number ten. Um, with Royce and Draxler performed out, outrageously well at the Confederations Cup as well, um, I, don't, I don't really think he starts. But I think they should have taken him. Um, he adds something, something different to them. Um, and he just adds that option off the bench. But I could probably see Royce starting off that left with Ozil in behind, Werner potentially um, going into the tournament. But I, I don't think it's, it's as much as an outrage as it's being made out to be. Don't get me wrong. 
Yeah, fair enough. Um, in terms of the group, I think for Group F, Germany are probably the clear number one. Um, but there are obviously three other teams to discuss. Uh, that's Mexico, Sweden and South Korea. Um, between them, there are seven um, under 23. So I'll quickly run through the list and maybe we can have a talk about who we expect to come second or maybe pick Germany to first. Um, <clears throat> so for Mexico, we've got Edson Alvarez, Herving Lozano and Jesus uh, Gallardo. Um, for Sweden, there's Emil Kraft and uh, Victor Lindelof. Um, and finally for South Korea, there's Sung Woo Lee and He Chan Hwang. Um, who are we expecting to finish second in this group, guys? Uh, it's got to be Mexico. Yeah, it's got to be Mexico, surely. I mean, they've never missed the round of 16 at a World Cup that they've been in, so... But they've, they've also never gotten further. <laughs> that is true, but that wasn't the question. <laughs> um, I I actually was, I, I am thinking maybe Sweden uh, for this one. Um, I don't really know what I'm basing that off, but they just seem to be very, very organised, whereas Mexico, I think that there's been a bit of a turbulent sort of, sort of preparations for the tournament with everything that's going on around Rafa Marquez. Um, maybe sort of will have taken people's eye off the ball a little bit. But at the end of the day, this is sort of still uh, Mexico's golden generation. So um, they probably should be, if they're, if they're going to um, sort of live up to that name, actually be going further than the round of 16. Whether that's actually going to happen, obviously we will see. But, um, but Joe, what, what do you sort of expect to happen on this one? Uh, I'd probably agree in the sense that Mexico uh, would get out of the group in this one. Um, as you say, Sweden probably are quite organised, but they just don't. I feel like they don't have that cutting edge, um, and and that sort of player that that Mexico have, especially in in Hervin uh, Lozano. I'm I'm really uh, excited to to watch him at the World Cup because he's just been electric for uh, for PSV this season, um, and yeah, he, he's he's kind of that that different type of player, that maverick, the the unpredictable, um, you know, t- turn turn on a sixpence, turn the game on its head by himself type of player. Um, I don't. I feel like Sweden don't have that, and I wouldn't be best placed to say about um, South Korea. As I, I, I don't know too much about them, but I don't get the impression that they've got that sort of player beyond um, Song Hyung uh, Min. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd back Mexico to, to to get out of that group. Perfect. Well, I mean, I don't really know if is there anything else to really say about Group F. It seems to be sort of one of the the less interesting ones. Um, because there is sort of probably one team that's clearly better than the others. Um, shall we potentially move on to Group G, which um, features probably the um, the eventual winners? Um, Panama. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to Fido Escobar lifting that trophy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Roman Torres and his glorious hair. Come on, we've talked about his glorious hair enough. Well, let's do it. Let's go. Let's go ahead. <laughs> oh, the hair! The hair. It's just so luscious and bouncy. It's, um, it's majestic. Yeah, it's majestic. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, a bit of a chance for Laney, but you know, what can you do? I'd, I've just seen a video of him uh, at a press conference. A reporter said, "Roman, you're the heaviest player at the World Cup." He's listed at 99 kilograms, and he lifted up his shirt and flexed his six pack abs. He's just a monster. <laughs> but of course, he's not under 23. Yeah, I mean, quite by quite a long way. Um, in terms of the the Panama team, though, um, they do have five under twenty threes. Um, there's Jose Luis Rodriguez, um, Ishmael Diaz, um, Ricardo Avila, um, Michael Murillo, and uh, Fidel Escobar. Um, are there any names there that any of us are aware of? I mean, I'm, I'm aware of Fidel and I'm aware of Escobar, <laughs> but I think I might be referring to two different uh, characters. Neither um, of them Panamanian. Uh, not the Salzburg <laughs> centre back. Yeah. Um, no, apart from them, uh, the only thing I've seen of, of, of Panama was the, the reaction uh, video of, uh, of Jose Luis Rodriguez and his family um, when he got announced as um, as being in- included in Panama's World Cup squad, which, uh, you know, it, it's lovely to see, you know, the, the reaction and uh, how much it means to them. And obviously yeah, with- their, their first World Cup too, yeah. Exactly, yeah. I mean, Panama getting to their first World Cup, it, you know, they are probably going to be the whipping boys in truth. But, you know, I think... Similar to the similar to the effect that, that it might have on Peru, with them having not uh, been in the World Cup for so long, I think you know they'll go out there and they'll you know they'll really enjoy themselves and and they'll they'll give as good as they're going to get, even though they probably won't be. Well, they are definitely not as, as technically and, uh, and 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 physically gifted as you know 
perhaps the, the England, the Belgiums, and, and even Tunisia of their group G. Perfect. So um, the other the other team that I don't know too much about in this one is Tunisia. Um, they've got six under twenty threes in their squad. Um, Bassem Farafi, um, who's a ring off in Nice. Uh, Dylan Bron, um, Elias Shakiri, uh, um, Ahmed Khalil, Muiz Hassan, and Sifadine uh, Kawi. Again, I don't really know any of these players, so I'm going to have to refer to everyone else's great knowledge on this one. <clears throat> Has yeah, if if if, if there anything as as um, if there anything as good as the Tunisian regions on Football Manager, I think England are in trouble to be honest. Um, but apart apart from that, that's that's how far my <laughs> Tunisian knowledge goes, to be honest. Uh, I, I know a little bit about uh, Elise uh, Skiri. Um, he's he's a defensive midfielder for, for Montpellier. And just uh, at the end of uh, last season, I think it was, I was just doing a little bit of um, a little bit of work on who scored. Uh, not not for them, just on it, on using the website. Um, and it, his name kept coming up time and time again. That he, in terms of defensive actions, he was very, very effective uh, in, in Ligue 1. For Montpellier, and I was quite surprised at how young he was. He was obviously 20, 22 at the time, as he's twenty three now. But he seems like a player who's very organised, very well drilled, uh, very disciplined. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've I've never actually watched him in the flesh, but I will definitely be tuning into Tunisia's games to 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 take a look at him a, a bit closer. Yeah, yeah, that's the player that I was going to talk about, and <laughs> he he has played significant minutes for Montpellier and I think he could be one that could move to uh to maybe a Premier League side if if he has a notable tournament I guess that's 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 the kind of analysis you come here for so <laughs> yeah maybe we'll be able to analyze a little bit better for the next team um let's go for Belgium uh, they've got three under 23s uh Yuri Tielemans uh Leander Dendonka um and and yet yeah, I and Adnan Yanazai. Um, surprised me a little bit that Yanazai was in the squad, um, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, he's been around for a long, long time. Um, there has been a lot of polemic about Belgium in the build-up uh, to the World Cup. Um, people not really sure if they're going to go far, despite the fact they have got probably their best ever generation of players um, at the disposal of uh, manager Roberto Martinez. Um, what are you guys? Uh, what are your guys' perspectives on that? It, it always surprises me to see Belgium ranked as high as third in the FIFA rankings, but they do have so much talent. So I, I don't know. It's they're going to be a fun. They're going to be a fun side to watch. I'm really happy that Yuri Tillemans is included in the side and his old club teammate Leander de Donker as well. Those guys last year in the Europa League, they they had a pretty deep run. I think what the semifinals before they lost to Manchester United and. The uh, those two are, are pretty special midfielders, even if they don't play so much. I, th- I think that there's a bit of a reoccurring theme with these World Cup squads, um, where it's not pri- primarily chosen upon names, but Martinez was was really insistent on um, bringing players that fit his system. Um, hence, why Roger Nangalan was left behind, as well as the fact that obviously he's a chain smoker and he doesn't quite fit his ethos in that regard either. Um, but they've been playing friendlies with Kevin De Bruyne and Axel Witzel as a two in midfield, which it's not going to be fun if you're just having them two in midfield. I mean, Axel Witzel, um, as sort the player he is, um, it's it's going to be a bit of a reality check coming from Chinese opposition to obviously you know potential world class opposition in the World Cup. Um, other than that, on the bench they have the likes of. Marouane Fellaini and whatnot. So if they're going for a two in midfield, I think it's quite grim for Yori Tielemann, to be honest. Um, Leander Dendonka could certainly fill in in that two. Um, so he could potentially get some game time. And Adnan Yanazai, um, he's going to be behind the likes of Trias Mertens and Eden Hazard in the squad. Um, overall for um, Belgium, um, obviously with Vincent Company being injured, it, it, it leaves them in a a bit of a precarious position because they've now got uh, Laurent Seaman uh, in the middle of their back three of Vertonghen and Alderweireld, um, which is quite a downgrade. Um, whether that may prompt some kind of tactical switch we could potentially give the likes of Tielemann and Yanazai more game time, I don't know. Um, but I'm actually tipping Belgium to finish behind England in this group. 
um, purely because I just don't think the team is balanced enough, as talented as it is. I mean, I think you're just looking at some Eden Hazard, uh, Lukaku or De Bruyne magic to to get them to, to the top of the group, but I think they'll overpower the other two opposition of Panama and Tunisia. Um, but I, th- I think it's a bit grim for, for the three scouted guys. I, I can't really see them getting game time. Well, speaking of England, the champions elect have also brought six uh, cha- uh, scouted players to the World Cup. I'm not sure if I'm being entirely serious there, but you know, every time I say it, I sort of start to believe a little bit, um, which I probably shouldn't. Um, we've hey, that's that's the team that I've drawn in the the Copa ninety US office pool pool. So uh, I'll be rooting printing for printing money, mate. Um, we've got um, Trent Alexander-Arnold um, at right back um, obviously has broken through at Liverpool this season uh, Marcus Rashford um, for the forward of Manchester United uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek who was pretty good at, on at Crystal Palace this season when he was um, when he was fit um, Deli Ali, um, who obviously needs no introduction John Stones and Raheem Sterling um, Probably might surprise a few people that uh, Raheem Sterling and John Stones are still just 23, obviously, um, having been around the team for quite a while now. Um, a lot of these players are going to be quite key, I think, to, to England's chances because it is the youngest squad in the tournament. Um, how far do we see them going? Um, I, I, I believe, um, well, as I said, I think they'll top the group. So I think potentially quarterfinals at least. Um, I think there's a potential showdown with Germany if we do top the group in the quarterfinals, so that'll be fun, no doubt. Um, but I'm just really excited to see an, an actual positive England side going into a tournament for the first time. Um, again, I, I talked about the golden generation in the last uh, episode. This is completely different. This is a squad that's built around a system, a clear way of playing. Um, and it's a squad that's in really good spirits with a lot of quality young players. Um, so it's a, I, th- I think it's going to be exciting. Um, and I think potentially England are going to perform. Uh, th- they've been, I wouldn't say quite lackluster going into the tournament, but I think they've been um, sticking with their system the way they want to play. Um, and then when you get in, into a tournament format um, and players are given the role, uh, I think the results will start to look a bit different. Um, but with, with obviously a young manager in Southgate and, and six really good young players um, who all could be likely to start potentially, um, I'd say probably Trent and potentially um, Rashford less so than the rest. Um, but hopefully they all get given the amount of game time they need to really strut their stuff on the world stage. Joe, what's your prediction for um, for England? Um, I actually was before before the squads came out and before the friendlies have been played. I was thinking, you know, okay, it's going to be England. They'll 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 um and the ah uh, they'll threaten to do something and then they'll go out with a whimper. Just you know, the way it always has been. Um, but I don't know. I'm I'm going to have to reconsider my earlier prediction that England would go out uh, in the second round to Poland, which I'd kind of set my heart on uh, happening. But I think they could, they, on the point that David was saying about balance, the team is balanced. I think Southgate is one of the better managers that England could have had at a tournament like this. Um, obviously, he doesn't have the, the, the international pedigree of the likes of a Capello or Ericsson or, or even you know Hodgson. But I I just think you know, there's, there's something, there's, there's a dynamic about the squad, there's a dynamic about the team. Uh, Harry Kane being one of the youngest, if not the youngest, captain um, at the World Cup. Uh, there's there's something about there's something about the England squad which makes me think. You know, they. I don't think they'll win it. Don't get me wrong, but I think they could. They, they could. Um, they could have a very good tournament if things go right for them. And uh, just finally, Jack as well. Um, I really want to know your thoughts as a uh, nominally neutral outside. I mean, obviously there is money in it for you for England to be good, but. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm almost tempted to make England the favorite in this group just because of all these young talents. It's like with England, something we haven't seen in the past is the players from the rival big clubs actually being friends with each other off the pitch. And I think that's worth a lot 
coming into coming into a major tournament like this. You know, well, I don't know if it's really like that, but it seems like there's a good camaraderie about this squad. They all are interacting with each other on social media for whatever that's worth. But it just seems like in the in the mid to late two thousands, those guys didn't seem like friends. Yeah, no, they definitely there has been sort of in interviews with uh, like the likes of Gerard um, Lampard and Ferdinand uh, saying as much. I'm sure uh, most of the listeners would have uh, seen something um, along the lines of that uh, before. And I think, yeah, I agree with you. It does seem like a quite quite nice sort of knit group together. And yeah, um, just a lot of positive noises coming out of the England camp. That said, there were also some positive noises coming out of the camp in 2016. So um, who knows what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the group. I think the fact that it is England versus Belgium at the end of the uh, the group rather than at the start maybe makes it a little bit more uh, sort of, well, a little bit less exciting than it otherwise would be. But that could be sort of a very interesting showdown um, sort of towards the end of June. It's always interesting because, like, because you don't know who you're going to be matched up with. I'm, I'm, that's assuming, I guess, England and Belgium will be progressing out of this group, but you may not always necessarily want to win that game, depending on how the how the, um, I guess, Group H is going to be shaking up. Yeah, I mean, I think Group Group H could be sort of maybe not the group of death, but like it's the the group that could go completely anywhere. I think any of the teams there could potentially finish anywhere between first and fourth um, and you wouldn't be completely... Yeah, maybe the group of life. <laughs> I think the group of life is definitely group A, mate. Like, but it's uh, it's uh, definitely sort of an interesting one because, I mean, maybe you would expect Colombia to be the best team in it, but of, of the four teams, you wouldn't be completely uh, surprised in whichever order it goes in. I don't know how you guys see that, but shall we go through the players that are involved for each team in, in group H? Uh, just finally um, so start off with Colombia like we mentioned before and um, they've got three scouted players um, two of them are centre-backs so you've got Davinson Sanchez who was pretty good in his debut season in the Premier League with Spurs um, and then Yerry Mina who's at Barcelona and um, then there's Jefferson Lerma who plays for Levante as a midfielder as well um, Japan have got two scouted players. Um, one's a goalkeeper for K- Kashiwa Kesol, that's Kosuke Nakamura. Um, and then Naomichi Ueda um, is a centre-back for Kashima Antlers. I think quite a few of the Japanese players that are under 23 were sort of jettisoned um, sort of just before the squad uh, was sort of cut. So um, there were a few more names in there until re- until they went down to 23. For Poland, uh, there's... Uh, David Kovnaki, um, who's a striker for Sampdoria, as well as Ka- Carol Linetti, who also plays for Sampdoria, and Jan Bednarek, who um, sort of played a little bit for Sampton this season. Um, and finally for Senegal, um, there's Musa Wagoue. What I, I don't even, I don't know how to pronounce French-ish names. Uh, Musa Wagoue um, plays for Oipen. Uh, then uh, Ishmael Assar uh, for Rennes, uh, Kaito Balde for Monaco, and Umbaniang, um, who has been at Torino this season. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it looks pretty sort of um, sort of tight this group. Um, Joe, who do you see sort of coming out uh, on top? Uh, as you said before, I, th- I think I'd, I'd I'd go for Colombia to to top the group. I think they've got the you know they've got the star players in in terms of Johannes Rodriguez's, Radamel Falcao's. And even you know, I'd, I'd categorise the Vincent Sanchez in, in that category as well. Um, I, I profiled him in the second scouted handbook, and while he was at Ajax, and, and he's, he really has come on leaps and bounds since he's been at Spurs. Um, I think he, he's definitely going to be arguably one of the best, if not the best, uh, centre backs, especially in Group H. Um, maybe not at the tournament, not yet, anyway. But yeah, he. he I, I really, uh, I really, really do rate him uh, quite highly. Uh, and then again, you can't, you can't look past Poland because you know they're, they're an incredibly efficient team. They're well drilled, and again, you'd think of your your hallmark players in um, in, in Robert Lewandowski. Uh, you know, it's you've always got to have them in the conversation when they have world class players like that. Um, but the the, the uh, inclusion of uh, Carol Lin- uh, Linetti that's an that, that's an interesting one. Uh, I'm I'm pleased he he, uh, he made the squad, and um, you know because I think he kind of has gone under the radar a little bit with all the hype about Torreira at Sampdoria, and Linetti really is really is a um, an organised player. He, he does very well in that in a, in a similar role to Torreira at uh, at Sampdoria, and and, and 
it will be interesting to see how he copes with that in in in, in Russia with Poland. Um, but yeah, I, I'd go with Colombia and Poland to get out of the group uh, with Senegal third narrowly, and I'd, barring a surprise, but not a massive surprise, uh, I think Japan will will finish bottom of that group. I would agree, but they've got Yoshiro Muto who's going to end as the golden boot winner, I think. So, um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think I think that's a pretty good uh, sort of evaluation of it. Um, David, what do you have any uh, any uh, additional thoughts there? Um, I think bar Group A, this is probably the second worst group quality-wise. Um, Hamas Rodriguez aside, and obviously Robert Lewandowski, um, and my Senegalese Prince Prince Sadio. Um, but um, I, I I don't know how to call it to be honest. I think Colombia, um, just pure quality-wise, will top the group. Um, but I think between Poland and Senegal, it's it's really even. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that Senegal can can light up the World Cup um, and bring back a few memories from 2002. Um, the managed by a player who played in that tournament. He, he seems to have done very well regimented. Um, but obviously, you know, Poland have the likes of Peter Zielinski, uh, Karol Linetti, um and Robert Lewandowski, so I, I think it's definitely between them two. Um, Ismail Assar really could prove himself in this tournament. He's been playing uh, in the recent friendlies, uh, moving Sadio Mane into the 10 as gave, as gave them freedom to have Saar, Balde and the likes of Mane or Niang in a four-man um, attack. So if they can take that, to the tournament and they could certainly cause every team in that group some issues Um, but as I said I think Colombia just down to pure individual talent will be able to top that group and it'll be interesting to see if Senegal or Poland can go through but I'm hoping that'll be Senegal but um, it could potentially be Poland. Yeah unfortunately I don't think Japan are really going to make too much noise here but and and like you guys I agree that Colombia are the favorite in this group, but Poland, um, everyone knows about Lewandowski, but shutting down Arkadiusz Milik is not going to be an easy task for the other teams in this group. And if you're looking for a player that could maybe make a, a big move this summer, it could be Ismail Sar from Rennes. Um, he's a very talented winger that, that you should go and watch. He's been linked with Barcelona, hasn't he? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't see that, but... It's certainly possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I think that just about rounds off all the groups. Just before we finish up, we do have a couple of uh, questions uh, to answer. So hopefully these won't go too long because I'm getting very hungry. We've been here for a, here for a while. <laughs> um, so the first question is from uh, Jacob Whistle, obviously a big scouted contributor, um, and at Jacob Whistle on Twitter. Um, his question is, Germany and Brazil, well, it's not actually a question, uh, the, the first bit, it's Germany and Brazil doing scouted football very proud, but given number nine to Gabriel Jesus and um, Timo Werner. Um, the first question is, who's going to score more this summer? Um, so I'm just going to go around and get everyone to answer that. Uh, Jack, do you want to start? I, I'm going to pick Timo Werner. I think he's really a player whose skill sets uh, fits international football exceptionally. He tore up the Club World Cup last summer and we should expect to see more of the same for him this summer for Germany. Okay, David? Um, I think um, I think it'll be Jesus um, purely because, as I said, th- th- there's a lot of creativity in that Brazilian side. Um, as efficient and whatnot as Germany may be, um, I think I think Neymar and Coutinho um, take take the crown in, in regards to creativity um, and they'll be producing a lot of chances for Jesus um, to put away so I, th- I think it'll be Jesus out of the two um, and finally um, Joe what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Timo Werner purely based on the fact that uh, of Germany's opposition in the groups I think yeah, he could he he could have a field day against any one of those teams. Um, whereas I think 
Brazil uh, and, and Gabriel Jesus in particular against Costa Rica, Serbia and Switzerland, they might have a harder time in comparison to how Germany will fare in their group with Mexico, Sweden and South Korea. I think I'm going to split the difference and say they're both going to score three goals each. So, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. And secondly, also from... I mean, sorry, sorry, Jack. Sorry, just just one thing to add. Gabriel Jesus does have the most goals for Brazil since Chiche took over, I think, with, with 13 now. I think Neymar has 11 and like Paulinho has 7 or something. So he has been really... There, there was the question for Mina or Gabriel Jesus. I think Jesus really has cemented his place there. Okay, um, and then the second question that Jake had was, which other young strikers do you expect to turn heads over the next month? Um, Joe, do you want to start with this one? Um, the okay, so um, I, I, see, I was gonna I was gonna go with Luka Jovic um, purely because the Serbian options up front are Alexander Mitrovic, Alexander Priovic, and Jovic. So I think he will see uh, a bit of game time, but at the same time, thinking you might. So if Serbia didn't get out of the group, then you know his his time is going to be limited. Um, so it's a, it's a it's a tough one, really, because um, yeah. In fact, you know, I, I might go for Keita Balde just in, just because of the unpredictability of uh, Group H. You know, he's he's a very versatile player, someone who I've who I've enjoyed watching uh, for Monaco this season. Um, and I think, yeah, he, he, he could turn a few heads, definitely. I mean, he, he already did it in Syria, uh, scored a glut of goals uh, towards the end of 16-17 with Lazio. Um, and, and essentially, Lazio weren't exactly the best team in, in, in Syria, um, and, and Senegal aren't exactly the best team in Group H. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go with uh, Keita Balde. Yeah, um, David, what's, what's your choice? Um... I am probably th- th- there isn't a lot of um, young strikers. I mean, you could say Mbappe, but I think he's already turned some heads. Um, so I'll probably go with um, Alexander Mitrovic. To be honest, um, he seems to be turning a lot of heads at Fulham, and he's tr- that's that form's transcending into into Serbia. So as I mentioned, with that that attack and talent that they've got, the likes of Tadic and Djivkovic playing off him as well as Kostic. Um, I think that they could cause a lot of issues going forward and potentially this transition to a more attacking style of play could um, give him a lot of opportunities to score. That, that's if he does get in the head of Luka Jovic, which given that he scored a hat-trick in the last friendly, I presume he, he does. Um, obviously, they've got Costa Rica in that group, so um, I think that he could potentially get a couple against them. Um, if he obviously is supplied from that f- four behind him. Um, other than that, you've got Switzerland and Brazil. Um, Switzerland are, are certainly a pragmatic side, it seems, and Brazil are Brazil. So I think if Serbia are going to get out the group, that they could need some some big goals from him. So And I think Serbia are going to get through the group. So, um, yeah, probably um, Alexander Mitrovic. Um, Jack, what's your what's your pick? Oh, I'm I'm really hoping, honestly, that Casper Dolberg lights it up at the World Cup, but I'm not sure if he will. So I'll steal Jake's. Probably the answer Jake would have given and say Kylian Mbappe. It's cheating, but I'm just going to pick him because it's easy and he's going to be fantastic. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for Fahad Al-Mualad um, of Saudi Arabia because I think them doing absolutely anything in the tournament will turn some heads because we'll be surprised. So, yeah, um, he sounds like he may he may be quite good and I don't think it would take that much for, for people to be a little bit surprised by them. Um, the final question we had today was from at Nashalotti on Twitter. Um, which young player are you most looking forward to watching at the World Cup? Um, so we'll go back in reverse order. Um, Jack, who are you most looking forward to looking at? Um. Yeah, maybe Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. And that's just because he's going to have a crucial role for that Serbia team. And as you guys said before, Serbia at the U20 World Cup beating Brazil, they have the young talent around him, which I, I think it's it's fun to to watch multiple young players play together. So sorry to Brazil or the other teams that only have one. 
scouted player in the tournament. I'm going to be pulling for sides like Serbia, like England, that have a lot of a lot of these young guys together. And I hope Raheem Sterling just lights it up too, just for sake of solidarity with the England players against some of the English media. Uh, David, um, it's it's more of an issue of who's going to get chances. Um, I'm hoping that. I think I, I don't think he'll get an opportunity, but I think Ruben Loftus she could should he be given the opportunity. Um, I think obviously because he's gone quite under the radar being at Crystal Palace this season. Um, I think that he could really turn some heads, and he's he's somebody I'm looking forward to watching. Um, another English player, um, being a Liverpool fan, I'm of course hopeful of watching this Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, there are some subtle hints that he could potentially be starting, but Kieran Trippier um, is a seemingly vastly more experienced option, and Southgate seems to be going with him. But I'd love to see Trent there. Um, for players that have got a reasonably realistic chance of playing, it's probably going to be um, Mbappe. I, I I just want to see how he reacts to kind of he won't have the country on his back per se because you've got the likes of Griezmann and Pogba. Um, however, I'd like to see how he performs on the biggest stage of all because we didn't quite see uh, him to his full potential at PSG last season. So it's been about a year or so since we've seen him in a in, in a massive major tournament doing what he does best, um, like he did at Monaco. So it'll be good to see him flourish. Hopefully. Uh, Joe? Um, it, again, what David said there, it's a matter of who will play. And I, I do have one player, uh, Bruno Fernandes for, for Portugal, who I'm really looking forward to seeing playing, but it's a question of whether he will play. Um, you know, 16 goals, 20 assists for, for Sporting um, this season, uh, despite the, the, tumult, the tumultuous time that they've had at, at ballroom level. Especially recently, uh, he's he is pro- probably one of the most informed players coming into into the World Cup. Um, but again, it's a question of whether he'll play. So I mean, I'm just I'm just looking through the list here, and obviously Mbappe is, is the name that is that does stick out for, for all the reasons that David's just said there. Um, but I, I don't know. Another one would obviously be, be Timo Werner. But someone who uh, no definitely will start, um, and who I've who I've watched a little bit, but I'm looking forward to seeing how he does on on, on the world stage is uh, Hervin Lozano. Um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that Chucky has a has a has a big tournament um, after after a very very good um, first campaign with PSV in, in the Eredivisie because he could he could quite literally propel himself um, into the into the um, into the minds of plenty of uh, directors of football across Europe if he has a good tournament, especially with his track record from last season. So, yeah, he's uh, he, he's the one that I'm probably most looking forward to to watching, who I who I can probably guarantee is going is going to play considerable amount of minutes. I think if Mexico is doing anything, it's, it'll be down to have Lozano. To be honest, um, he's he's he's. He's had a few whispers around him already in the window, but it's only been to a club like Everton, which is, I'd say, but considering the amount of teams that seem to be in the market for wire players, it's a bit bizarre to me. Um, but you know, potentially he could he could be the one that shines in the World Cup and get Mexico through into the next round and get a big move. And I think I'll just go for Usman Dembele um, and leave it without a explanation because I think most of us are all sort of aware of what he's like as a player and just hoping to see if he can thrive in uh, Deschamps' system at the World Cup and yeah he should get enough sort of opportunity to do it so it should be a reasonably safe bet um, for for playing time at least anyway but that is it for the World Cup preview it went on a little longer than we expected it to so I hope everyone's still listening Um, and yeah thanks guys for for um, for coming on um would you mind giving a little plug for your respective um twitter accounts yeah you guys can find me at jack grimsey although during the world cup i'll be doing a lot of the work and tweeting i think from the copa 90 us twitter so um plug my job i guess over there too uh yeah so you can find me on twitter at the um 
which at the moment is just full of transfer events and whatnot. So I wouldn't even suggest following me at the moment. But for the World Cup, <laughs> um, I'm sure I'll be in good stead. So I'll be Alexander Arnold fanboying for a few weeks. So if you want some of that content, go on over there. Uh, yeah, I'm at Joe Donahue on Twitter. Um, that's D O N O H U E because, funnily enough, no one can ever spell it right. Um, uh, yeah, I'm. I'll be uh, quite active uh, over over the World Cup. Um, don't really have too much else on apart from eat, sleep, watch Saudi Arabia versus Egypt, and repeat. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to that. Yeah, very exciting times ahead. Um, I'm just at Connor Garrett. Which, yeah, I probably wouldn't recommend following me, but what you can do is follow the uh, official Scouted Twitter, which is at Scouted FTBL. Um, there'll be loads of insight on there from um, a lot of us and also from the other contributors as well. So definitely head over there. I mean, to be honest, if you listen to this, you probably already do follow that. So probably a bad recommendation but anyway thanks for tuning in and uh, yeah i think that's it for now um we'll probably be back at some point in the world cup with a look over sort of how the younger players are doing so yeah thanks for listening and goodbye <laughs>